When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Yes, he is, ladies and gentlemen. Tom Cock, look, he's back in the Museum of Modern Model Military Aircraft. Modern and Medieval Military Aircraft. I'm trying to come up with as many M's as I possibly can to be as elucidative as possible. to be completely honest, you can say middling. You could put that in there. Because I'm the guy who made them. Military model... Messy, make do aircraft. Massive, massive midling. Anyway, that's enough of that stupidity. Don't you love the? Yeah, okay. But do do you? This is not a video podcast, so okay. Do do you love the video podcast logo from the model military? Did you ever see the logo? I never saw the logo. You don't even watch our videos. I, I do. I, I tell you what, I did watch last week's video that you did. That's the best one we've ever done. You did it by yourself. It was phenomenal. I urge everyone to go see that one. That was the... That was about the charges. Oh, oh, Morgan Stanley. Really good. Morgan Stanley. Morgan Stanley in their own words. Yeah, and most people have no idea because they get hand this portfolio. They think this is something, their portfolio is somehow unique because they're working with Morgan. It's basically, it's individual stocks. It's a yeah. few actively managed funds and maybe a few index funds so they can say, oh, yeah, we have you in index funds. And then oftentimes individual bonds of some kind. I so, didn't see any index funds in the list I looked no. at. And people have no idea what the cost of all that is. They have no idea how little divert. Anyway, it was I, I don't remember the title of that one. I don't know, but it's the last but one. It's really good. And it's the and one to be from, commended from the t- last, uh, last like week. the 18th know, Thursday. or something. Yeah, yeah Thursday. Anyways. Good. Go Any, watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Go watch it. It was mm-hmm. fun to do. Mm-hmm. Today, today, it's kind of funny that we're doing this because it almost sounds like a repeat of what I did on Saturday when Tom was was boating on lovely Lake Chelan. We found I your t- phone, by the way. It took some yeah, well, no, I, found We found my phone before, and then it was ruined because <laughs> it went too deep. <laughs> uh now you made me lose my train of shot thought, and that's that is not hard to do no, these that, days. These days, it's really really easy. You walk these into days. a room and go, wait, yeah, what? okay. Why yeah. did I come into this <laughs> I was room here for a reason? Over the weekend, I uh, talked about a Jason Zweig article from Wall Street Journal. It was about mutual funds and how they are allowed. They were allowed to pick their own benchmarks against. To, to compare themselves against and and, and, and okay, but just go describe first what, when you say benchmark. Well, what does that can, mean? What is what is see, a benchmark? There are see, there are now thousands of benchmarky categories. Yeah, it's you know like they compared themselves to a, a category that had more small caps. I think they compared themselves to some sort of a dividend small mid cap category. And, but a benchmark and, in general is a line. Is an index or it's yeah, it's, it's a line where. Right. You're going to do yeah. better. You're going to do worse. But I generally. just found it fascinating that the mutual fund companies can kind of change the rules of the game to, to 
to suit their purposes. And, and, and it, <laughs> it's funny because, you know, with my brother's funeral, we were got together and my sister, of course, has this incredible memory. I hate her for that. And she's spouting off about how, you know, Donnie, when you were little, you used to cheat at Monopoly. <laughs> and I, that's not her voice, but, uh, and I, I, I guess oh, I did. I don't, this, yeah. I don't remember doing that. Yeah. But you were but the banker and you I were was the banker. And she told me, no, she told me that, that I told them that the banker gets to make the rules. <laughs> that sounds a lot like you. I have to say at any age, and it's so. like, a, well, it's kind of like America, you know, the bankers make the rules, oh, don't they? They, they do. I, I just paid some of them, their rules just a few minutes ago to buy gasoline, which I just find astounding but oh, hold anyway. on hold on hold on you had to take out a mortgage to buy gasoline <laughs> well, a third in this case but you know I, I i managed to get enough to drive home barely so yeah it's not easy but yeah they make the rules and, and but the reason this all came up is as you said the mutual funds but then to take it one step further uh this was in bloomberg last week some fascinating reading um <laughs> in the journal of portfolio management which bloomberg quotes the 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 author okay. says public officials who manage four trillion dollars. By the way, four trillion pretty that's a lot of money for uh, twenty six million working and retired teachers, cops, and other public employees. Here's the key part: routinely set their benchmarks too low, and in many cases receive bonuses for their accomplishments. And in other words, okay, I'll do. Oh, so I'll we're talking actually push-ups. two different kinds of benchmarks. Yeah, exactly. A benchmark is like a comparison against another. That's what I was asking. Yeah. That's why I wanted In to this case, a but. benchmark is something is the goal yep. that these people mm-hmm. have set for themselves. So that would be like me saying, hey, uh, you know, I'm in a sales job. I tell you, let, let's start my goal at um, zero sales. And anything I get above that, I get a big bonus for. Exactly. Does that work for you? <laughs> it works for me. I'm hoping uh, do do me for the, like ten pushups, and I'll I'll, I'll beat that. No, uh, I'll beat zero. I will beat also, zero. The fascinating part is the the. It's hard to imagine that they get to set that on their own. It's hard to believe that then all these consultants who are involved are in the process say, "Oh, great job! You really did that." And of course, most of these people that sit on the boards, they have no idea. That's all been run by the people that run the pensions. And the the quote from a Securities and Exchange Commission attorney who's audited dozens of pension funds says, no pension is going to keep a benchmark that makes it look bad. Really? That's not much of a surprise there. So, so wait. So I, I remember when it used, they used to be accused of setting their sights way too high that they made a, a they used to say you're, they made we, actuarial assumptions oh, yeah. based on very oh, yeah. high returns double digit returns which they exactly. weren't able to meet and therefore all these pensions went broke so now they're saying well instead of saying high we're just going to yeah. go really really low yeah. and you got to pay us more if we if we do just average and this particular podcast is not about that okay oh, just thank to put god cuz that would have been really short no. and boring yeah and cuz we that's a topic and many people have written about it that the the honest truth is they underperform just index funds in a general sense. This topic, this podcast is designed to talk about you and what rate of return or what benchmark you should have you an investor, because this is not easy, right? In other words, this is like, well, if I could make 8% a year, will I be okay? Should I have a benchmark of 8% a year? 
How do you evaluate your returns? How do you make those sort of decisions about, well, I've done this for 10 years and it hasn't worked. Maybe I should try something else. That's what, that's the, when I read the article, I thought this is something that comes up from time to time because people say, well, you're diversified. You owned XYZ for the last five years. That didn't make any money. Let's get rid of XYZ and move it into this other fund that made a lot of money. And you say, no, you've got to let this play out for a long period of time. So the question to you, Don, is should people have, as investors, a benchmark, a, a line in the sand that says, I should do better than this, for example? Well, you have to you have to set a level of expectation because you have to plan off of a level of expectation. You can't plan for retirement unless you have some idea what you can have possibly, uh, what you can and have in the past expected. The problem is, is relying too much on that and also judging that over too short a period of time. A uh, lot of, and, oh, and the other, the biggest problem is judging the asset classes in your portfolio individually. Individually, some are going to do well better than what you expected and others far worse at any given time. What you need to look at is the overall performance of a portfolio over your pre-established time frame. Which As is part of your plan. You're saying, okay, so I'm 64. I have a, for me, I have like a 30 year, which is probably outrageously too long because I probably don't have 30 years. But when I look at my plan, I say, yeah, the money's got to last 30 years. So what do I need to make on that money? Right. To over the 30 year time frame, Correct. And you yeah. really should not judge an entire portfolio over anything less than half a decade a decade. And I'm talking about an entire portfolio. You see, the problem is people look at asset classes. They go, yep. well, uh, my bonds didn't do well over the last five years or whatever it was. But some other things in your portfolio probably beat those. And the other thing you need to be aware of is getting too caught up in the current situation, the immediate situation, the right now. We, we put way too much importance on the right now when it is what is the outlook for the planet economically yeah is I think it recent is it gonna bias. collapse yeah it's a recency bias thing. yeah I think that that's true okay but let me ask you another question along these lines is it fair over I don't know 10 or 15 or 20 years to compare your portfolio your investor portfolio to VT for example would it be fair to put that up and say I should be doing it's, about this or better? If, if your portfolio is 100% equities, yeah, it can okay. be a guide, but it can't be absolute unless your portfolio is almost identical to the entire world stock market portfolio. Uh, it, it's not, for example, if you build a portfolio the way we suggest building a portfolio, which is more complicated than most people want to dive into, and that is increasing your small cap positions and increasing your value, having money in emerging markets, doing doing some of the more eclectic things that have over time, over time added return, but for a very simple reason, because they add risk. See, it's, there's no magic. If you're, you're adding, if you want to add return, you have to add risk. And that, when you start comparing those kinds of assets 
to VT or that kind of a portfolio to VT, it's not a fair comparison because it's going to be more aggressive inherently than V than VT, just owning the big caps, basically. Well, okay, but let me give you another example. So over the last 52 years, mm-hmm. the 100% stock portfolio, according to the Merriman Foundation, global portfolio is made a little over 12% a year. Is it fair to say, hey, I should make you know 12% a year for the next 20 years if I'm in that portfolio? No, you could probably say, maybe I'll make that over 50 years if I hang in there with it, but I cannot possibly expect that because the next 50 years may not look anything like the last 50 years. Thank However, you. Thank you. That's however, what I was getting to. Yeah. The reality is, that equities, what you have to do is look at the broader market, not the specific numbers. Over time, stocks have and should outperform bonds or other safer investments. That's it. That's what you should concentrate on. Is it likely if I'm invested heavily in stocks that I'm going to, over time, over the next 20 years, make more money? Yeah. Will it be 12? Who knows? That's what I was getting at. Looking at the 52 years, you put the odds in your favor for the next 25 or 30 years by having the right balance for you because you need to know what balance that is between stocks and bonds, being massively diversified and keeping your costs low. Other than that, I think benchmarking is unfair because I don't, I think it's just, there's too many variables there for the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years to say, yeah, I should make as much as that portfolio made in the last 52 years. It, I, The next 50 undoubtedly will look different than the last. I don't know how, but I do know you put the odds in your favor by doing the aforementioned things. Yeah. Anybody who tells you you can make a 12% return on your money in the future is lying, Dave Ramsey. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Did like I say 14? Dave Ramsey in that sense? I think he's at like 14. Don't cut him nope. down to 12. He's always been, no, he's always said, oh, uh, it's going to make 12 in the future because ah, okay. it's made 12 in the past. Oh, yeah. Sure. And he goes, people, these financial advisors tell me you're not going to make 12% in the future. Well, listen to me. I've made 12% per year. Uh, Dave, did you notice the operative word in that sentence? I have yeah. made 12% Asked. per year. I have. Tense. Yeah. Not you didn't. Happen. You didn't do because you don't know what you're gonna do. You only know what you did do. Did do yeah. do. Can't plan on that. I mean, and the only thing you can plan on is uncertainty, and that's why when again when we do the planning portion of all this, we look at a thousand potential outcomes in a Monte Carlo, uh, because that's the only way you can really say yeah. This way, the, we get, we need a better name. We need a better name. I for hate that, that name. Hate I hate that, that name. name because it's kind of like, well, gambling. here's what here's what yep. works if you go to Monte Carlo. Yeah, oh, right. well, like James Bond, I'll play Baccarat. <laughs> I'll right, choose re- Baccarat, please. You ready for a question? Oh, we're flipping the table, I, that's huh? That's what I said. This is exciting oh, for me. Tom is they question boy this, today. They sent this to me. I, I don't know why I'm on the receipt. I don't get it anymore. It. I know. That's what I'm saying. I don't know why. Uh, one question was, from I won't even say his name. He wants to meet with me on Saturday. I think that's already set up. Um, oh, but he okay. did say another watched, one who's getting to meet with you. He did say that uh, he watched your brother's memorial service, called it moving, and sent condolences to you and your family. So very, which sweet. I thought was Thank very you. kind. Uh, Roger wrote us. Roger, Roger, Roger from uh, Phoenixville, Pennsylvania, which I'm not familiar with, but 
That's just north of Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> Considerably north cooler at this east. moment, I hope. But uh, he wrote, and, and I'm not going to go into all of it, talked about how much uh, retirement accounts, quite a bit. Terrific. But here's the question. He said, we plan to take Social Security at age 70. And at current calculations, that'll be $96,000 a year. I'm assuming that's two. two that's got to be. Got to be two yeah, people. No, the, the max is like... 50,000. Yeah. No, I mean, that's good. Should we, would you recommend we build this into our portfolio makeup? In other words, if we start Mm -hmm. to take social security as 70, should we assume social security is part of our fixed income because Mm. it is fixed income? This, yeah, but it's not an asset. Let me finish. The philosophy will allow us to be more aggressive, but negates. In other words, you're going to, you're, you're putting more in stocks because you're assuming that the social security part is part of your bond portfolio. Okay. I I get the thinking. I get it. I understand it. Yeah. And being more aggressive, I think is a groovy kind of thing. Groovy. Excuse me. (laughs) But it's not the asset class. And the reason we suggest you have fixed income for part of your portfolio is not, has nothing to do with the income stream, nothing whatsoever to do with the income stream. It, totally has to do with your stomach, with your gut, with your ability to sit tight when things look bad. That's why fixed income exists. So in for, for that, Social Security isn't going to stop at your portfolio. Let's say your portfolio is 100% stocks and we get a 2008 market and it goes down 50%. How are you going to feel? You see, if you had a balance in that portfolio in 2008, you would have only lost about 20, 25%, depending on the kind of balance you had. It would have made the decline more palatable, less frightening. And that's why we suggest fixed income for that reason. And really that reason only. Well, that not only, but because when you're doing the withdrawals, if you have a stable base of money in bonds, you can pull from yeah. that instead of pulling from the stocks. But the other way I'd put the, I'd put the, that percentage into actual numbers because they have $3 million in retirement accounts in 2008. That would have gone, if all in stocks, that would have gone down to somewhere around one and a half million, which for many people who are, that would be, you'd be pretty scared. Be like, oh, it would be devastating. Would be devastating. It would be emotionally devastating. Yeah, it would be. And, and, and that's the reason it's emotions. Yeah. And here's the other part of that. Do you need to? We've talked about this many times. Do you need to drive 75 miles an hour? Do you need to take risks? Now I'm going to argue probably not. So why do you take mm-hmm. a risk that you don't have to take? So no, I don't think social security should be considered bond-like in any fashion. And I would not look at it that way when I was making my risk return trade-offs. Yeah. And you know, when you get to retirement, when you get to collecting social security, uh, the the race is pretty much over. You, you got to stop striving for more and Good more point. and more money. You, you're, you're nearing the finish line. You might as well just, you know, enjoy the spoils of your future or your past wins and, you know, it's a good way like to put a, it. Like golfers or race car drive, they all just kind of eventually go. I'm not going to keep racing to make more money. I'm just going to enjoy. I'll what open I have. a bad restaurant and go out of watch it go out of business. Uh, before we say goodbye, I want to say congratulations to you because you're the primary driver of this program. I'm on it. I'm glad to be here. But you're the guy who does the editing. You do all the heavy lifting, and uh, we just received a news release a couple of days ago that we have uh, passed three million three 
0000000 downloads of the podcast Talking Roma. That's a big deal. I know you're pooing it. Okay, it's not a big deal. Let me tell you why. It it's sounds not. like a big deal to me because because it's only three million oh. since we moved from one one uh, hosting company to ah. another hosting company. So there's probably another half a million or so from that other hosting company. We'll so call it them could up. be four. Ah. I, I don't know how many it is. It, it, okay. it, it it's it a lot. Be. So yeah, well, so, done, so it's sir. more than three million yeah. though. Now, I still, by the way, to this day, don't know what a download is, but whatever it is. It is someone listening to the podcast for more than 60 seconds, according to the Internet Advertising Bureau. I thought it was a, something that somebody told you that you weren't supposed to expose to others down low, but I don't no, know. That's on the down low. Oh, okay. Uh, All these yeah. years I've been confusing that, so dang it. Okay, You confuse a lot of things. <laughs> there is that aspect. Thank you, partner, for great work there, and uh, congratulations. And thank all of you for listening to us, which we do appreciate. Yeah, we do do that. Yeah, we appreciate you. And check us out on your favorite podcast service. Uh, if you just started listening, you can subscribe on Apple uh, Podcasts, Spotify, tell your friends, share it on social media. Uh, we're trying to get our Spotify numbers up. Come on. Help us out here. So funny. We have like uh, half of our downloads, more than half of our downloads come from Apple Podcasts, and only about 5% come from Spotify, which is way up from the 3% of a few months ago. That's almost a double. Yeah, yep. but it's it's very strange because lit reading my short story podcast, about 55% of my downloads come from Spotify. Go figure. I don't know why. We'll fix that. Don't you worry, my friend. We are. As a matter of fact, we are because we're now hosted by Spotify. So we don't know how many downloads we're going to have from here because we just started over. As a matter of fact, I just started a few days ago with Spotify and we're uh, we're at like, get this. You're going to love this number. We've only been on the Spotify platform for about three days, four days. We're at 50,000 downloads. Wow. Good. And yeah. since they're the host, are they paying the mortgage and the light bill? Actually, the air conditioning bill. They no, they kind of rent all that. We're, we're, uh. They're the host, but we're the renters. <laughs> I see the check is still being written yeah. by yours truly. Yeah, Got we're it. still okay. writing the check. All right. Good. All right. Anyway. Uh, so that's uh, that. You have anything else you would like to you know, add that we'll you think is We'll get to a couple important? other things in the next one or two. So I got plenty of stuff, but we'll do okay. We'll leave it uh, at that. We'll yeah. finish this one. Yep. We'll... Um, Bid you farewell. We'll tell you if you want to call us with questions, you can do so at 800-386-3055. That's how you call Tom. 800-386-3004. That's how you call Tom. If you want to call the show, it's 855-935-TALK, or you can send questions in at TalkingRealMoney.com, where we also have the Risk Quiz and lots of other cool stuff. Thanks so much for listening. We really do appreciate you being there. That's Tom Cock. I'm Don McDonald, and we're going to go cogitate before Talking Real Money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future, so past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial product or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?